This is Rabbi Shammai Engelmayer, and welcome to episode 21 of Keep the Faith, my weekly podcast in which we explore contemporary issues through the prism of Jewish law and tradition. As of yesterday, August 20th, more than 174,000 Americans have died from, and over 5.5 million have become infected by the coronavirus. Virtually all mainstream health professionals say the key to containing the spread of this killer disease is the public taking the threat seriously, including wearing masks at all times outside, maintaining social distancing even when wearing a mask, and being careful to properly wash hands as often as possible. So there was good news of sorts in an NPR PBS NewsHour Marist poll released a week ago on August 14th. It found that 71% of Americans now see COVID-19 as a real threat, and that's a sharp and welcome increase over the last few months. But there also was some bad news in that survey, in addition to the obvious fact that 29% of Americans still don't think COVID-19 needs to be taken seriously. The survey found that more than a third of Americans, 35%, say they won't get vaccinated when a vaccine finally comes available, and another 5% say they aren't sure that they will. That leaves 60% who say they will, which is better than nothing, I suppose. But that 60% is a bit deceptive because it includes everyone surveyed. People with college degrees are 19 points more likely to get vaccinated than those without college degrees. The numbers are 72% to 53%. There's also a huge political divide with 71% of Democrats saying they'll probably get vaccinated, while only 48% of Republicans say they will. That political divide is evident as well when it comes to wearing a mask in public and maintaining social distancing while doing so. A Pew survey in June found that 76% of Democrats and those who lean that way are more likely to wear masks in public versus only 53% of Republicans and those who lean that way. It's even more dramatic when you separate conservative Republicans from the GOP moderates. Only 49% say they've worn masks compared with 60% of moderate Republicans. So if the health professionals are correct about how to contain the spread of COVID-19, it may be a very long time before we can get beyond the threat it poses. Clearly, common sense is not at work here. So the topic for this week, therefore, is what Jewish law has to say about vaccinations and mask wearing. I know I just said that common sense doesn't seem to be working very well, but I need to amend that. There are people out there who do have common sense, and I want to introduce you to one of them right now. He's a very special guest. Why don't you tell everyone your name? Grant Michael David Amsterdam. And where do you live, Grant Michael David Amsterdam? Springfield, Virginia. Where are you now? At your house. Who else is in my house? Nana. And? Uncle Joe. Are you having a good time? Yes. And how old are you? I am four. Are you going to be five? Yes. When? October. In October, you're going to be five. Do you go to school? Yes. Where do you go to school? JCC. The JCC. Did you go to school this past year? Yes. You didn't go the whole year, did you? No. Why not? Because of the coronavirus. Because of the coronavirus. Do you remember last night we were having dinner? What did you say to me? Don't let the coronavirus get in. What's wrong with the coronavirus? Is it a good thing or a bad thing? Bad thing. It's a bad thing? What does it do to you? Make you very sick.
How do you protect yourself from the coronavirus? Do you wear something on your face when you go out? A mask. And when you come into the house, do you have to do something with your hands? Wash them. You have to wash them. And if you wash them, and if you wear a mask, are you going to be safe? Yes. Is there a medicine people can take that will protect them from the coronavirus? Scientists and doctors were trying to create a medicine to stop the coronavirus. We need to drink the medicine. We don't know what the medicine does to people That's yet. That's true. Not yet. Thank you, Grant. So there you have it, everyone. Coming from the mouth of an almost five-year-old who obviously has more common sense than a whole lot of adults out there. And by the way, I didn't prompt him in any way or put any words in his mouth. He surprised me. Grant knows that we need to wear masks outdoors practice social distancing, and get vaccinated once a vaccine is available and proven safe? If Grant knows that, why are there nearly one of every three adults who think the coronavirus threat isn't real? Why are there almost one out of every four Americans out there who say they won't get vaccinated when a vaccine finally becomes available? I can't answer that question, but I can tell you what Jewish law has to say about it all. From the moment our ancestors set foot out of Egypt two of the fundamental directives they were taught in so many ways were to stay healthy and to protect the health of everyone else. I wish I could say that this message is universally followed in the Jewish world, but it's not. We've seen the devastation COVID-19 has wrought in some of the most ritually rigid communities, and not for the first time. In 2019, there was a measles outbreak that devastated certain of these communities in the greater New York metropolitan area, which itself saw its worst measles outbreak in at least 30 years. Not only were those living in these ritually rigid communities at risk, but they were spreading it outside their enclaves. They were putting everyone else at risk. To be sure, the measles epidemic of 2019 wasn't restricted to those communities. Measles outbreaks occurred throughout the United States and in Europe. The main reason for those measles outbreaks in Jewish communities and throughout all manner of communities throughout the United States and Europe also accounts for why we're hearing so many people say they won't get vaccinated against COVID-19 once there's a safe and effective vaccine. That reason is an ongoing, virulent misinformation campaign by the so-called anti-vax movement. Sadly, there's a secondary reason this time around, politics thanks to President Trump's somewhat successful effort to undermine the health professionals and turning it into a political issue. Just this past Tuesday, a day in which Florida set a daily record for COVID-19 deaths, Billy Woods, the Marion County Sheriff, issued an order banning his deputies from wearing masks at work and banning all visitors to the sheriff's office from wearing them inside the building. The order shouldn't surprise anyone, given the fact that Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has steadfastly refused ordering people to wear masks in public. DeSantis, it must be noted, is an ardent supporter of President Trump and takes his lead from the president. It's really sad. Neither Trump and some of his staunchest allies, nor the anti-vax movement, are swayed by facts. In the case of the anti-vaxxers, they use made-up science concocted by a British physician, since discredited, who fraudulently claim that the measles vaccine, MMR, is, among other things, a leading cause of autism. Needless to say, the physician eventually lost his license to practice, and at least 10 of his colleagues who originally signed on to the phony study have had their names removed from it. Interestingly, when it comes to the anti-vaxxers, 
There doesn't seem to be a political divide at all. In Washington state, the anti-vaxxers who rely on that phony MMR study can be found among many liberal communities. In Texas and parts of the Bible Belt, the anti-vaxxers are found in conservative communities, spurred on especially by a number of evangelical Christian churches. The ritually rigid Jewish communities don't often follow the goings-on in Christian communities. So during the 2019 measles outbreak, the anti-vax crowd decided to appeal to them in terms that would catch their attention. One ritually rigid anti-vaxxer, for example, was quoted at the time by the New York Times as saying, quote, Vaccines contain monkey, rat, and pig DNA, as well as cow serum blood, all of which are forbidden for consumption according to kosher dietary law, unquote. Even if that was true, that the MMR vaccine contained trace substances, and it's definitely not true, the medical use of substances forbidden for eating undergo many changes in their nature before becoming part of a vaccine and so they lose their original identity in the eyes of Jewish law. Besides, being injected with a substance is not considered by Jewish law as ingesting that substance. More to the point, though, as I mentioned several times in these podcasts, there's virtually no Jewish law, including kashrut, that isn't waived where danger to life is concerned. Almost no Jewish law takes precedence if there's even a suspicion of danger to life. And the three instances that are the exceptions to this rule have absolutely no bearing on the issue at all. To be clear, Orthodox authorities of all stripes were horrified in 2019 at what was going on in the ritually rigid communities, and they'll be equally appalled if the same happens when a proven safe and effective COVID-19 vaccine appears. As one ritually rigid rabbi put it in 2019, quote, infecting other people is totally unacceptable, unquote. There are many religious grounds to choose from to support that. Above all others is Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, which state that humankind was created in God's image, thus imposing on all humans the obligation to protect that image. The Midrash tells us of the great sage Hillel. Each day after his classes were over, his students would walk with him. One day they asked him, Our teacher, where are you going? Hillel responded with, To fulfill a mitzvah. And what is this mitzvah, they asked. To bathe in the bathhouse, he said. But, they asked, is this really a mitzvah? Yes, he said to them, quote, It's just like the images of kings that are found in theaters and circuses. The person responsible for caring for them must constantly wash them thoroughly. How much more so must I bathe, who was created in God's image, unquote. Rabbinic authorities from the Talmud on also have focused on a statement in Deuteronomy, quote, For your own sake, therefore, be most careful, unquote. Based on that, Maimonides, the Rambam, ruled in his code of law that, quote, maintaining a healthy and sound body is among the ways of God, unquote. The late 19th century authority Rabbi Samson or Foyle Hirsch was more expansive, quote, God's word calls to us, do not commit suicide, do not injure yourself. Preserve yourself. Therefore, you should avoid everything which might possibly impair your health. And the law asks you to be even more circumspect in avoiding danger to life and limb than in the avoidance of other transgressions, unquote. There are other verses the authorities rely on as well. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 15, for example, states, quote, The Lord will ward off from you all sickness, unquote. 
A Midrash quotes the sage Rabbi Acha as saying that it, quote, depends on man himself that diseases should not come upon him, unquote. He based that on two words in that verse. Those words are, from you. Said he, quote, the verse means it is from you, meaning it is dependent on you, that disease should not come upon you, unquote. In the ensuing discussion, the sages concluded, quote, 99 people die through their own neglect to one who dies by the hand of heaven, unquote. Beginning with the Torah as well, it's clear that we have just as much responsibility to protect the health of others, which also means we can't subject others to possible contagion. For example, in Leviticus, we're told that a person with a potentially infectious ailment must be separated from the community. Not for that person's sake, but for the community's. It follows that a person may not knowingly risk getting a potentially infectious disease, which would then spread to others. It also follows that a person may not mislead others into avoiding being protected from those infectious diseases. For that, we have another principle of Jewish law, lifnei iver, or the placing of a stumbling block before the blind, a law found in Leviticus 19. This is a general principle that goes beyond its simple meaning. As the Babylonian sage Samuel stated, one application of the verse is that, quote, it's forbidden to deceive people, unquote. Distorting the truth, whether by faking scientific research or publicly humiliating the health professionals who issued dire warnings about COVID-19, is putting a stumbling block before the blind. God himself made clear that he gave permission to physicians to heal, based on a verse in Exodus which states that if a person injures another, quote, he must pay for his cure, unquote. Standing in the way of physicians doing that is thus another violation of Jewish law. Grant Michael David Amsterdam isn't even five yet, but he understands that. All of those adults who don't understand that are putting us at great risk. This is Rabbi Shammai Engelmeyer. I hope you come back for my next podcast, and I'd like to hear from you about this or my other podcasts go to www.shamai.org and email me, please. Grant, do you want to say something to the people? Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Stay healthy and stay safe.